Chapter 22 of Among the Great Masters of the Drama. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Mayer. Among the Great Masters of the Drama by Walter Rollins. Fector. Fector is the most youthful, most ardent, most enthusiastic, most insinuating of artists. What variety of talents, what unpretending skill in conception, what marvelous, thrilling, electric execution. Alexander Dumas, the Younger. Charles Fector acted Hamlet for the first time in London in the spring of 1861, and made so great an impression that the play ran for 115 nights, it was nine years later when he produced it in the United States. As a boy of fifteen, the writer saw Fector play Hamlet at the Old Globe Theatre in Boston in the winter of 1870-71. I will not venture to speak on the merits of that remarkable performance, in face of the numerous estimates by more competent critics which are extant, but will confine myself to quoting from them. Charles Dickens, the actor's close friend, wrote, Perhaps no innovation in art was ever accepted with so much favor by so many intellectual persons, pre-committed to and preoccupied by another system as Mr. Fector's Hamlet. I take this to have been the case, as it unquestionably was in London, not because of its picturesqueness, not because of its novelty, not because of its many scattered beauties, but because of its perfect consistency with itself. As the animal painter said of his favorite picture of rabbits, that there was more nature about those rabbits than you usually found in rabbits, so it may be said of Mr. Fector's Hamlet, that there was more consistency about that Hamlet than you usually found in Hamlet. Its great and satisfying originality was in its possessing the merit of a distinctly conceived and executed idea. From the first appearance of the broken glass of fashion and mold of form, pale and worn with weeping for his father's death, and remotely suspicious of its cause, to his final struggle with Horatio for the fatal cup, there were cohesion and coherence in Mr. Fector's view of the character. De Vriend, the German actor, had some years before in London fluttered the theatrical doves considerably by such changes as being seated when instructing the players, and like mild departures from established usage. But he had worn, in the main, the old nondescript dress, and had held forth in the main in the old way, hovering between sanity and madness. I do not remember whether he wore his hair crisply curled short, as if he were going to an everlasting dancing master's party at the Danish court, but I do remember that most other Hamlets, since the great Campbell, have been bound to do so. Mr. Fector's Hamlet, a pale, woe-begone Norseman, with long, flaxen hair, wearing a strange garb never associated with the part upon the English stage, if ever seen there at all, and making a piratical swoop upon the whole fleet of little theatrical prescriptions without meaning, or, like Dr. Johnson's celebrated friend, with only one idea in them, and that a wrong one, never could have achieved in its extraordinary success but for its animation by one pervading purpose, to which all changes were made intelligibly subservient. The bearing of this purpose on the treatment of Ophelia on the death of Polonius, and on the old student fellowship between Hamlet and Horatio, was exceedingly striking. And the difference between picturesqueness of stage arrangement for mere stage effect, 
and for the elucidation of a meaning was well displayed in there having been a gallery of musicians at the play, and in one of them passing on his way out, with his instrument in his hand, when Hamlet, seeing it, took it from him to point his talk with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. This leads me to the observation with which I have all along desired to conclude, that Mr. Fector's romance and picturesqueness are always united to a true artist's intelligence and a true artist's training in a true artist's spirit. George Henry Lewes declared Fector's Hamlet to be one of the very best he had ever seen. Wilkie Collins said in 1882, From Macready downward, I have, I think, seen every Hamlet of any note and mark during the last five and thirty years. The true Hamlet I first saw when Fector stepped on the stage. These words, if they merely expressed my own opinion, it is needless to say would never have been written. But they express the opinion of every unprejudiced person under fifty years of age with whom I have met. For that reason, let the words stand. That excellent actor, Herman Vezin, unfortunately but little known to his fellow Americans because of his long residence in London, who had supported Fector in Hamlet, wrote, He played Hamlet and took the town by storm. His appearance, his easy grace, his freedom from the vice of mouthing, his unstilted style delighted all but the most bigoted adherents of the stagey school of acting. I sat in the stalls at one of the rehearsals and was much struck by his manner of always thinking the thought of Hamlet before he spoke the words. I said to him, You're going to make a great hit in this part. None of his Shakespearean attempts equaled his Hamlet. Fechter will rank high in the role of great actors who have excelled in that character. Dutton Cook said, I've perhaps seen a score of Hamlets, including the Hamlets of Macready, of Charles Kemble, of Emile de Vriant, and Salvini. It seems to me that Fechter's Hamlet ranks with the worthiest of these. William J. Hennessy, born in Ireland in 1839, was brought to America ten years later and remained here until 1870 when he went to London where his studio now is. While in the United States, he held a deservedly high rank as an illustrator, his work including the admirable series of drawings of Edwin Booth and his chief characters. Since his return to England, he has confined himself to painting in oil and watercolors. He is a member of the National Academy of Design. End of chapter 22